This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? We're going to do this podcast. My name is Solomon Lee at Solomon Lee NBA on Twitter. And before we get into things, before I bring Forrest on, before we talk Rockets Warriors, I have some quick house cleaning to do. So I've been producing Rockets-related content, including this podcast, for the past four years, and I love what I do. I'm going to continue producing that content for you guys, but for the most part, that content has been free. It's never been behind a paywall, and there has never been any ads on this podcast. I want to keep it that way. So I started a Patreon page. If you support what I do, if you've been a listener to the podcast for the past few years, or if you stumbled upon it recently, I would appreciate if you could become a patron. The page link is patreon.com slash NBA. So just like my Twitter handle, that's patreon.com slash NBA. Now to be clear, for right now, there is no exclusive content for becoming a patron. It's just you showing support to me at the price of three bucks a month. However, I do plan on adding a tier for exclusive content later on down the line. But for right now, it's patreon.com slash NBA. I love keeping this podcast ad-free, and this Patreon helps accomplish that. Now, if you don't want to become a patron, that's fine. I would, however, appreciate if you could drop a five-star rating on iTunes for the Red Nation News Podcast, as it helps other Rockets fans find the show. Now on to the episode. And we are joined by Forrest Walker at Do Not on Twitter. How you doing, man? Hey, uh, I'm as good as I can be. Are you dry? Are you dry right now? How's that in Austin? Uh, it's not too bad. It rained somewhat today, but it's kind of been in a, like a, a one-on-one-off rain situation for the past week, which uh, I think is a lot less rain than y'all have been getting over in Houston. Ooh, it is. It is bad. It is ba- like. I haven't seen this this much rain in Houston since Harvey, and I'm not exaggerating. It's been so bad. I've been getting a flood warning on my phone every five seconds, it seems. And, like, I was driving home from downtown, like, a couple days ago. I, I basically drove through a beach because they, cl- <laughs> they closed down 45, so you have to take all these back roads to get back onto 59. And, the, like, these roads, I, I kid you not, the, the, the water goes up to your tires, and you're driving through basically a huge like a, a kid's swimming pool essentially that's uh yeah i remember i mean i haven't lived in austin that long uh for everyone listening i was born and raised in houston and i didn't move here until 08 uh so yeah that's that kind of stuff is always a, hu- a huge problem i remember plenty of people getting their cars stuck whenever it floods even a little bit because they just can't not <laughs> drive through a, a place where it's up to their engines yeah, but, but by the way, uh, this is completely unrelated. I was driving to the Toyota Center a couple of days ago, and I saw this this car in front of me, right? Like, and like this car messed up, right? Like, like he was switching lanes and he wasn't looking, and whatever. It's just, hold the whole deal, right? It, it was a minor screw up. Well, let me ask you, what do you do? What do you do in that situation? Do you honk? 
I I don't like to honk unless it's pretty serious. That's probably not right though. Like I'm just very I'm very reticent to honk in general. Uh, probably because I I have a uh, live with a lot of kind of road ragey people uh, in my life, so I just don't want to be like them. But uh, I guess it depends. There's different honks for different situations, right? You can give a little, little little tiny peep, or you can just lay on it, right? So probably there's a lot of times when you just just a little bit of peep, just a, a friendly honk, right? You can try for that, right? So see. I'm I'm like you. Seventy percent of the time, I'm not gonna honk. Like the thirty percent of the time, where it's like a really bad screw up, I'll honk, but it, it's not that bad. So the guy in front of me honked four times, <laughs> and then he turned to the left lane. You have, have you you've seen this move before, right? You, you turn to the left lane just so you can look at the driver and be right, <laughs> and you can be right be right them, right? Yeah, with, you with can your, mad dog him a little bit or whatever. Yeah, with your window pulled down. In that situation, I don't care what the hell that guy did, unless it was seriously dangerous, which it was not. Like, if anything, it might have caused like a small dent on your car. But if any, it wasn't. It wasn't that big of a deal. If 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 it's nothing serious, you you are automatically in the wrong. I don't care what happened. You you don't just berate a driver like that. What, like what the hell is wrong with you? Like like that that's just ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Like I saw what that person did wrong, and I and I immediately I'm on that person's side. The guy who screwed <laughs> up. Like you, you uh, can't do that. I'm sorry. Yeah, you gotta keep cool driving, or else you make a dangerous situation. I'm that guy who just like gives a thumbs up when people mess up out my window as a little passive aggressive gesture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My my least favorite people, of course, are the ones that oh that honk within one quarter second of the light turning green. Those those are those are absolutely oh the scum God. of the earth. Yeah, the, those people like, it's it's like they they think that they're gonna they're gonna get to their place of work much faster because of that quarter second. Like like I don't understand the idea there. But this guy four times I've never seen that before. <laughs> four honks and then pulling over to the side, scrolling down the window and, and, and berating the driver. Like what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, I've uh, I've I've driven with people like that as a driver before, and yeah, no no go for me, no go for me. I just want to let people, uh, no harm, no foul, live and let live. Let's all get let get home safely. Yeah, the reason the reason my brain kind of went there is because I was dri- again I was driving through this beach, right? And the guy behind me, so I have a small car, right? The guy behind me is driving a truck. I'm I'm going at slow speeds because I I have to. There's no other choice. This the guy behind me can 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 bulldoze through everything, and that's fine. I'm going through. I'm going at, at slow speeds. This guy starts honking at me. I'm like, dude, what is your? Pro- Do you see what I'm driving right now? Like, <laughs> your your car is like at least it has at least three feet on me. Like, w- w- what's the idea there? Like, you, you think I'm gonna start speeding through this pool over here just because you started honking? Uh, yeah, man. I don't know about Houston drivers. Every time I go back to Houston, I never used to really drive in Houston very much. Uh, I drive a lot up here. Whenever I go back to Houston, I am amazed by how mean everyone is driving down there. And they're no always in a their- hurry. It's just, I, don't, I don't get like like what 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 could you possibly be in such a hurry for? Well, hey, they they need to go that extra five miles an hour over that next quarter mile so they can get to their place of employment uh, twenty six seconds sooner. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And this is at like six o'clock, so like I don't understand. Like, where first of all, where are you going at six o'clock that you really got to go there? Like that you really have to, you have to have the person in front of you speed through this like a foot and a half pull of water. Like, 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 what could you possibly have going on? 
I don't know. We're getting off track. We're five minutes into this podcast. We haven't even talked about basketball yet. But first, I want I wanted to just apologize because we haven't podcasted in a month and a half. We did have a podcast ready to go uh, before the Warrior series, and uh, something happened, and we we could we couldn't release that podcast. But 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 we are back. We are we are in the thick of things. Uh, the Rockets. Could get eliminated by um, this time in 48 hours. We don't know, but we are back. And I apologize for, for the long wait. Uh, usually that that doesn't happen. I usually podcast even through my busiest times. It got really busy for me there. So I apologize. Podcasts are going to become more regular again. Um, and yeah. Well, I'm glad to be back here again because uh, it's been a lot of things. Yeah, it's been, it, it has been a lot of things. It, Let's briefly go over the first four games as quickly as we possibly can. So let's talk. Let's group the the first two games together. I'm, I'm going to specifically talk about game one real quick because the big the, the big story coming out of game one was obviously the officiating, right? And normally, I am not someone who complains about about officiating. I am just like there are so many ways to lose a basketball game that officiating usually has not like it's like, it should be the least of your concerns. And it's not even that. Like I just think it's not worth getting upset about officiating. It's not productive. You're not getting anything. You're not getting anything done. But that specific foul, getting under someone while they're shooting, really pisses me off. It really pisses me off. It's a dirty move. I don't like it. it someone can get hurt. It, it's how Kawhi got hurt in the 2016 NBA uh, NBA Conference Finals. I think it was. I think uh, it was. Yeah, a con- I believe so. Yeah, I think it was the Conference Finals. It's how Kawhi got hurt. And like, it, there's just no re- there's no reason to go under someone like that. You, you're it, you're significantly increasing the chance of injury there. That's what Bruce Bowen used to do all the time. Generally, the NBA has moved away from that. And Clay Thompson did did this to James Harden like three or four times in that game. And like again, I'm not someone to complain about officiating. Th- that that's bullshit, man. You can't do that. You cannot get under someone's landing area. I am sorry that that's that's extremely dangerous. That is extremely dangerous, and it really pissed me off. It really pissed me off how he, how he was able to get away with that like four times. And I'm aware that Harden did that once in the game, but even even if you watch that clip where Harden did it, he realized instantly that it was wrong, and he kind of moved to the side a little bit. If if you remember the click I'm talking about for us, like it was like yeah yeah yeah. So he knew right away like okay that, that's a, you can hurt somebody like that, so I'm gonna move out of the way. Like that's just a dirty move. It's a dirty move, and there's no need for it. I don't. I know you wrote that article about uh, the officiating after the game. I don't think the Rockets were in the wrong to release that report after the game. I know that a lot. It really upset a lot of people, and it made the Rockets look like really like crybabies. But honestly, like the Rockets do not care about public perception whatsoever. We, we, you have talked about this. Ad nauseum. The Rockets are looking for the most efficient way to win basketball games. They don't care wh- how it makes them look. Yeah, they're here to win, and that's it. Because uh, the way that you win an NBA championship is by winning an NBA championship. Uh, it's not playing the right way or whatever. Uh, it can be that, but uh, whatever whatever works, works. is seems to be their ethos. And in this case, they felt that uh, leaking this memo would be what works. Right. Um, how'd you feel about the the amount of attention that went to Scott Foster in game two? That that made me a little uncomfortable. 
<laughs> like I've never seen a situation where the one NBA official was just such a huge story. The last time, it obviously being Tim Donaghy, but I've never seen so much attention placed on one official in the span of 24 hours. It was insane. Like, and, and everybody saw it coming too because he hadn't officiated a game in like a week, and there was a pretty good chance that he was going to be assigned that, that day. And it was just funny seeing the the instant Twitter reactions when Scott Foster got assigned. That how'd you feel about that? Did, did that make you a little uncomfortable, or were you, were you just amused by it? <laughs> it just it just figured right. Like this is this is what everyone thought would happen, just to make things as stupid as possible. And guess what? That's what happened. Now I know that they assign they assign the referees ahead of time, right? This is not something they decided after the Rockets leaked that memo. It was already going to happen, but. It remains uh, just an incredibly ridiculous happenstance that that would be exactly the time it, ha- it would go on. Uh, it was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then it ends up that game two is actually really well officiated. It was uh, great. Like, and honestly, the rest of the series has been pretty good overall. So yeah, yeah, I gotta, I gotta admit, it was, it's, it's been a smooth sailing series since game one, and and that's kind of what I'm talking about with the game one complaints. Like, it worked. Like they're calling that foul now. They're calling that landing yeah. space foul now, and it at least didn't not work. You know? Right, right. Like, like th- this is why the Rockets do not care how you think about them. They don't care. They're just out to, do, as you said, to win championships. Like, they're trying to win a championship, and they don't care how it makes them look that they release this report. And, and game games six and seven of the conference finals last year were poorly officiated. Like they were. We we, we talked about it on this podcast. Now, we don't have to bring that up again, but that's just something that happened. And a lot of people acknowledged it in the moment. People kind of forgot about it over months, but it was there. But we don't, we don't, need, we don't need to go about that anymore. Uh, I'm kind of glad that we don't have to deal with talking about the BS of, of officiating. Like, I'm glad we can just talk about basketball. Like, the, the last four games in the series have been some of the best basketball uh, we've seen all year. Uh, really, really competitive stakes games. Uh, three and four came down to the wire. Even when the Rockets had like big leads, like at halftime, the Warriors eventually caught up and made it really, really gritty towards the end of the games. Like, how'd you feel coming away from games three and four? Oh man. Uh, so yeah, after games one and two were uh, <laughs> didn't get enough rebounds and were bad. Uh, games three and four were four were did get enough rebounds and were good. Uh, it's weird that so far the home team has won every game uh, and the home team has gotten more offensive rebounds. I think rebounds overall every single game as well. Uh, so that seems to be the, one of the, the key factors. Uh, those, those games looked like the Rockets knew how to play basketball and they were hustling a lot, which is what you have to do. Uh, I don't know. These games have all been really close, and they've all been weirdly really close to the line as well. The Rockets have have beat the spread every single time. Uh, so this, it really, it it feels like a more even series than I think anybody ex- like. I think a lot of people didn't know what to expect exactly, but I don't think anybody expected it would be this even all the way down. That it would basically just come down to the home team making a couple of more shots every single time. Right, I mean, the story coming out of games one and two were like it's over. The Rockets really embarrassed themselves. Uh, they were talking about they were talking about playing the Warriors all all year, and this is this is the effort they put up or whatever. And honestly, like I didn't feel that way at all. I thought those first two games were really competitive, and a co- it had a couple things happened, and the Rockets could have came out of there one and one, right? Like 
it, it really felt like every game came down to the wire. And holy crap, PJ Tucker, um, we we need to have a, a just a, this two minutes just dedicated to PJ Tucker real quick. So I, I know this guy eats pancakes for breakfast. I just want to know what he <laughs> what what he puts in those pancakes. Like, does he put nails? Like, you think he eats nails? Like. Like is it corkscrews? Like what? what <laughs> like is it protein powder? Well, what is he putting in those pancakes? I don't know, but he's been an Iron Man for sure. He's he has been their most reliable player throughout these playoffs for sure, and absolutely integral to their success. Uh, someone said they need to clone him three times and then and then run them out there. Uh, they would not be here without him. He has in games three and four. He basically uh, overcame the rebounding issue single-handedly, uh, and he's been he's been shooting well the entire time. He's been playing fantastic defense. Uh, it, there is no off switch with PJ Tucker, and that's exactly what they need. Is he is he using maple syrup or is is it gasoline? <laughs> it's, uh, it's probably a mixture of the both, like how you get oil mixed right. with gasoline for a like a mower. Right, right. That, that, that's what that's what I figured. That's what I figured. But you're absolutely right. He's been, you know. We talked about this early in the year when the Jimmy Butler trade talks came up, and I was just dumbfounded that there were Rockets fans, and apparently the Rockets themselves were reticent to trade uh, PJ Tucker in a trade for Jimmy Butler, and I, I was just dumbfounded. I'm like, I'm sorry, like you trade PJ Tucker in a heartbeat if you get Jimmy Butler, and I think you were on the same page with me, and I was just, I was just, we were both kind of hammering home, like PJ Tucker is really important. We get that, but like. You do it if it's Jimmy Butler. And you kind of see why in this series, man. Like, this guy is super, super important on the offensive glass. Like, every single rebound he's got feels like the most important play of the game. Like, especially in games two, 3 and 4. Like, every single rebound he got literally felt like the most important play of the game. Like, when the Warriors are about to make a run and he just grabs an offensive rebound in this series. Like, he's been a plus-minus god. Uh, defensively, he's been defending Kevin Durant better than anyone's defended Kevin Durant this season. And the, the moments where Ke- where PJ Tucker's on the bench, Kevin Durant's really feasted. Uh, it, it's it's just insane the amount of impact this kind of player can have on the series. It's, it, it's he's he's averaging like ten boards a game, like like six five PJ Tucker is averaging ten boards a game, playing center for like thirty six minutes a game. It's nuts. It is absolutely nuts the impact he's had on the series. Yeah, and uh, this is really the series that he is in Houston for. That's the point. That's why they have him is that they need him against Golden State, uh, and he can provide that rebound against them because they're not just they're not the same kind of lineup as someone like Utah is. They don't run out those traditional like two big lineups. They don't have a Rudy Gobert out there. Their tallest player is Kevin Durant. You know, so they're they're uh, they're going, or at least the tallest player they can play in this series uh, to this point. Uh, so this is where Peter Tucker can grab a lot of rebounds, and it would be nice if this is also the series where Clint Capella could grab a lot of rebounds. But uh, that's not Peter Tucker's fault. Yeah, uh, Clint's had a rough series. Uh, I, and credit to Draymond Green. Draymond Green's played some of the best defensive basketball I've seen in a long time. Like he's been. Defensive player of the year, Draymond Green. Like he's been phenomenal. He's he's single handedly taken away 
that lob pass from James Harden and, and Clint Capella. Like, he's taken that out of Houston Arsenal. Like, I remember in, during the regular season, you could pencil in, like, 10 points a game just off that lob pass. And now it's just gone. It's gone. It's found money every time he makes a lob pass. Like, the, the, that, that's how that's how much of an impact Draymond Green's had on this series. Uh, and Clint Capella, you're right. Like, he has just been so... He's just been horrible. Like, he's, he's a negative... 13.9 per per 100 possessions in the series. And, and it's not even it, it's not even just that his he's a poor matchup per se, right? It's not just that he's, you know, not quick enough necessarily, but his the things he's good at, he's failing at. He's not rebounding as well as he can and he's not able to finish around the rim like he should be able to. So yeah, Draymond Green's really taking him out of it and he seems like he's taking himself out of it a bit as well. Right, and defensively the Warriors have played him off the floor. And and this is something that like in this particular series, Clint Capella has has thrived. Like he's been a fantastic switch defender, and he's defended Steph better than most big men in the NBA. And the fact that he's having trouble in this series is a little alarming. Like I'm 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 not sure what like Clint Capella's just been like fifteen percent worse this season, like as a whole. Like he hasn't had the same impact that he had last year. And it, it, it's it's kind of trickled down to all areas of the Rockets, especially rebounding. Like rebounding, he's been like kind of pedestrian, and it, it, it's hurt the Rockets like crazy. Yeah, uh, they they really need more from him, uh, and it's on, I'm honestly impressed that they have been able to do as well as they have with how little Clint has given them. And also, uh, I mean, that's been can, PJ Tucker, right? Like, yeah, it's in PJ Tucker having the having the cover that ground, but. Clint's such a huge part of their lineup to be unable to basically participate in the series is wild. Uh, and another player who, who has not participated in the series for uh, reasons, injury and otherwise is uh, Daniel house, who I feel like this playoffs has been a bit disappointing, which is not entirely fair to say of a first year player like him, but well, I think he's he, technically a third-year player, but your point's well taken. Yeah, right? th- yeah, this is his first like real season, getting like he's this first real NBA season, right? Uh, but, and he's he gave so much during the regular season, right? He was fantastic, especially during that stretch run after he got signed on, and he just has been. I know he had an injury, uh, like a toe injury during most of the series, but he's, according to him, available to play now. And if he was giving them anything like what he was giving in the regular season. I really feel like it would change the complexion of the series. They would just have another solid defending, good shooting piece that they can they can send out out there, and they can really just have the depth necessary to honestly outlast the Warriors. So I think, to me, those are, those are the two biggest things that Clint Capella and Daniel House have not figured into this series, and that's a big problem. I, I just love how this series has been kind of like ground zero for basketball. Like, slowly but surely, like, role players are being whittled out of it. Like, Bogut's played seven se- seven minutes in the entire series. And those were in the first two games. Like, like he hasn't seen any any time. Um, like, same thing with guys like Jordan Bell. Same thing with guys like, uh, as you said, Daniel House. Like, like slowly, but the cream is starting to rise to the, the crop. And it, it's it's been really fascinating to watch. Like, Iman Shumpert, somebody who's been scrutinized like crazy by Rockets fans and media, like he's having uh, such an important role in the series because he's, he has he has to pick up for Daniel House's slack. Like he's taken his rotation spot, and he's played good minutes. 
Like he's played good defensive basketball and playing and shooting. He's shooting the three ball like okay. Like okay, you'll get the occasional air ball or the occasional blown uh, layup, and that's fine. But in general, he's played good basketball, and that's just something that you know I I didn't expect for this series to be honest. I thought Daniel House would be playing those minutes. Yeah, uh, so did we all. I mean, we were talking about who's going to get minutes, uh, Gerald Green or Iman Shumpert, and it turns out who's going to get minutes, Iman Shumpert or Daniel House. So, uh, and but yeah, you're right. This much like last season when these two teams squared off, uh, I think even faster this series. Honestly, both teams realized that there's certain players they're just not going to be able to play, and so they went down to their their like seven man lineups right away. Uh, so. It's, and it's it's, it's been, not a knock on those players. Like those players are probably playing other series. It's just this series in particular. Like these teams just get the best out of each other. Like that you need you need to play your main guys like forty minutes a night. Yeah. Yeah. And by uh, the way, uh if I was gonna get to this later, but I, I just feel like we might as well bring it up right now. Eric Gordon is having one of his best his one of his best playoff series for the Rockets. Like it's it's just incredible how much how big the turnaround was from the beginning of the season to now where he he couldn't hit a jump shot at the beginning of the year and he's still not shooting particularly great like he's thirty three point nine percent in this series but his driving game has been so strong and defensively he's just been rock solid like he's been such a dependable player for the Rockets uh and and it's been a big reason why the Rockets could afford. Chris Paul going on these scoring slumps, like Chris Paul, they're not getting anything from Chris Paul. Like they're, not, I mean, they're they're getting a lot, but they're not getting any scoring from Chris Paul. Yeah, they're not getting scoring from him. I mean, this this last game, game five, was the first time that Eric Gordon didn't shoot really well. Honestly, uh, and they lost it by a handful of points. So, yeah, Eric Gordon has been huge for them. Uh, he's come through in a time when they needed him most. Yeah, and another guy, uh, and I, I know we're kind of list at this point. We're kind of like going down the list of players that the Rockets are actually playing, but Austin Rivers. So th- there, there was a play in Game Three where the Warriors. So Draymond had the basketball, and Steph Curry was screening for Draymond Green just to get Austin Rivers off of him because he knew because <laughs> because he knew the Rockets would switch and and. It didn't work because the the Rockets were like, no, we're not switching this. We're going to keep Austin Rivers on you to annoy the hell out of you. He's done such a great job defensively on Steph Curry. And like, I didn't think this would be like an effective strategy because, because of how effective Steph Curry is off the basketball and how porous Austin Rivers can be off the basketball. But apparently when you give Austin Rivers one job and one job only, like you're going to annoy the hell out of Steph Curry. You're going to stay with this man and you're not going to leave him at any step of the way. Like he does a good job. Like he does a really good job when you just specialize his assignment like that. Yeah, he's been surprisingly good at uh, at being a pest to Steph Curry. You're right. Uh, I, if it, it, I mean, he's uh, he's also part of the family now, I guess. So no one can annoy you like family, Gan. Right? I didn't get that reference. Sorry, what was that? Oh, he's uh, he's he's part of the clan now, or he's about to be, uh, because what uh, the the Rivers and the uh, and the Currys are becoming one family. Do you know what that about? Uh, I believe it's Seth, right? Is uh, is marrying Austin Rivers' sister? Really? This yeah. is a thing. Wow. Yeah, this is a thing. They're uh, 
yeah, there, there, there's a, there's a, there's a familiar relationship there. Let's see. Uh, let me, so I make sure I get this one right. Uh, Breaking news on the podcast. Wow. Yeah, Seth. Yeah, Seth Curry is about to marry Callie Rivers. This is, <laughs> yeah, breaking news. This is a story people have been joking about. Uh, yeah, yeah. Seth Curry is marrying his sister. Well, so it's, it's they, breaking news to me because I, I this is the first time hearing about it. Wow. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it must have been a really confusing joke. For you. <laughs> it, it, I, I was I was sitting there. I, I kind of played it off for a little bit, but I'm like, hold on, I, I, I got to come back and catch this really quick. <laughs> like, but yeah, you're right. It, 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 no. Nobody can annoy you like family can, uh, and I guess um, I, I, I guess Austin Rivers is finding that lesson out pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, he's been really effective in this series, and and there's something to be said about having a guy that's just you know Bill Simmons talks about this all the time, like a high confidence guy who will take take any shot, and he's taking just the most ludicrous off balance jumpers and these floaters that theoretically he shouldn't be shooting because he's not efficient at them. But he's still taking them, and it's it's good for the Rockets' offense in a way that I can't really describe because other guys aren't taking those shots. Uh, do, do you get what I'm saying? There's just like an energy when he takes those floaters, um, and when he makes it every once in a while, it's just a huge upbeat for the. Uh, yeah, they need more guys who are willing to just go for it no matter what, uh, even when there is traffic, even when there is rim protection. There's been a lot in this series of Rockets that's missing at the rim because of how, honestly, because of how disciplined the Warriors are at protecting the basket. So uh, him being willing to just shoot it, to, to shoot a three, shoot a floater whenever, even though he airballs it sometimes, so far it's been a big help for them. And he's been able to actually move the ball around and do a bit of creation, which is nice, which they badly needed. They missed that in game one when he was out with illness. Uh, they clearly needed another playmaker out there to deal with this Golden State defense. So uh, if he yeah. played in game one, who knows where we'd be right now. But uh, where we are right now, he has been a huge part of the team. Yeah, Mike D'Antoni actually mentioned it uh, in the game three presser. Like, the, like well, I wish we had him for game one. But um, I guess we can go ahead and talk about it now. Like, Chris Paul has been um, kind of uninspiring offensively. Like, he's... He's having a good assist series, and he's he's impacting the Rockets in other ways. Like he's been really great defensively, getting a lot of deflections, which I think is really important in a series like this where small possessions matter. But the scoring has just been really unimpressive. Like the Rockets need him to score like eighteen to twenty points per game for them to have a chance, and he hasn't been doing that. Um, I'm I'm not sure if it's an age thing or if he's just deferring too much. Like if he's just taking too much of a back backseat to Eric Gordon and James Harden, but at some point they're gonna need him to start scoring because like I wrote about this this morning. Like the rock, like there are places on the floor that Chris Paul can get to that Eric Gordon just can't because he has just a such he's such a quick quick and tight dribble move that you know Austin Rivers just doesn't have that kind of package down. And as the series whittles down, they're going to need that kind of creativity on the offensive on the offensive end to even like to survive at this point, right? Like, I, like, I, how have you felt about Chris Paul in this series? Uh, he has been a positive for the team, and he's yeah, been agree. a great playmaker, right? Right. Uh, he's unquestionably positive for the team, but he's not as positive as he was last year, uh, which is a problem. Uh, it's been mitigated somewhat. But yeah, he his he is not shooting well, which I think is honestly the biggest problem. Uh, 
he's also having a hard time like beating guys off the dribble, which that you can probably chalk up to age, uh, which I think fair enough. Uh, that's going to continue to be a problem. The shooting thing, though, that's the. Sh- I mean, it's probably partially because he's not as good at creating those windows as he used to be because he's not quite as quick as he used to be. Uh, it is worrying. I don't think it's disastrous at the at this moment, but it's something that the Rockets are going to have to, and their fans are going to have to keep an eye on going forward for not just this this postseason, but more importantly, the next couple of years of his contract. Yeah, the predictability of his offense is kind of getting. Um, a little worrisome. Like I feel like the the Warriors know when he's on the perimeter and he's on that left corner, he's going to take a sidestep three. Like he's that's what he's one hundred percent going to do. If he's taking an ex- extended period of time dribbling in that left corner, he's going to take a sidestep three. And if if I can predict that, God knows what it, what Andre Iguodala can predict in live action. Like, like that's that that's a little worrisome to me. That. It, it's become so easy to figure out what he's going to do. Um, but you're right. Like he isn't getting past players the same way he used to. And I mean, for the Rockets to have a chance, he, I think he needs to at least have like, he needs to have like an 18 point game. Like, like nobody's expecting him to score 25 points per game anymore. I think those ga- those days are gone. Right. But if he can have like an 18 point game on good efficiency, that's it. That's all the Rockets need. Like, because Eric Gordon's doing entirely too much, and he's doing a great job at it. Don't get me wrong, but the Rockets—I'm not—I'm not sure how long the Rockets expect this to be sustainable. And like, if if they if they're gonna have any chance at Game Six, they're gonna need, you know, a a minus Chris Paul. Yeah, uh, I think that's exactly the case, and uh, we're—I guess we're going to see. But yeah, he's—he hasn't been a problem, but he hasn't been part of the solution as much as he could be yet. But he is still one of their better players. He's one. Of, he hasn't been playing the be- as well as we know he can, but he's still one of their plus players, which have been surprisingly limited in number. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird how the Rockets' second and third best players have so thoroughly underperformed in this series, and it's it's going to go to six games. Like 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 that's it's kind of it's kind of crazy how they've managed to, to be without the production of Clint Capella and Chris Paul to this degree and, be, and still be this competitive. That's just a larger credit to Chris Paul and Eric, not Chris Paul and Eric Gordon, to PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon. Um, but yeah, let's talk about game five real quick. So game five, the Warriors start off on this storm, right? The Rockets turn the ball over entirely too much. Uh, they're, they're letting the, the Warriors attack the offensive glass entirely too much. And they take on the Warriors storm. Right, the, the the clay makes a crap load of threes in the beginning, which we knew eventually he was gonna he was gonna get out of that cold stretch. And clay, Steph is starting to make some of his threes, and Draymond's facilitating, and the Warriors are playing like Warriors basketball, and they get off to like a twenty point lead, and the the Rockets slowly but surely scrap and claw back into this, but the 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 defensive rebounding started to rear his ugly head. And specifically, I'm, t- I'm, I'm talking about James Harden and Clint Capella. Like, James Harden and Clint Capella in Game 5 just were awful on the defensive glass. They, they were just... Like, Kevon Looney was getting some some of the worst offensive rebounds. Like, like I mean, like, good offensive rebounds for him. Bad, if you're the Rockets, because you could have easily boxed him out. And he was getting second chance opportunities for this Warriors team that was clicking on all cylinders and I mean like that that's something the Rockets in game six you cannot have like if it takes playing 
small like if it takes playing small ball for thirty six to thirty to forty minutes a game in game six, like that's what you got to do. If it takes playing taking Clint Capella completely out of the game, that's what you got to do. Because right now you're on the precipice of getting eliminated. You can't mess around. If Clint Capella is not having his A game, you're just gonna have to bench him. You're just gonna have to bench him. Yeah, he he can't be outplayed by Kevon Looney. Yeah, that's not gonna work. Like at this point. At the start of Game Six, if I'm Mike D'Antoni, if Clint Capella isn't producing in those first five minutes, that's it. He's done for the night. I, I yank him and I go small for the rest of the night. Because again, you're just trying to survive at, at this point. Like you're not you're not trying to save anyone's feelings or anything. Like right now, you're trying to make the Western Conference Finals. Like I, at this point, you just have to go with your best players, and Clint Capella has not been one of Houston's best players. Yeah, he's overall been a negative, which is pretty rough. Uh, they're gonna have to. So, I guess we're they're gonna have to do something like that in Game Six because they cannot lose Game Six. Obviously, they're down two three. Uh, if the Warriors win Game Six in Houston, that's it. The Warriors advance. Uh, if the Rockets win, they force a Game Seven in Golden State. Uh, though, we'll see what happens because I feel like the the calculus on this series has now changed somewhat in the last 24 hours. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about this. So Kevin Durant, um, he, he he gets a non-contact injury, and for a little bit we didn't really know what it was. There was some speculation that it was possibly an Achilles tear, right, because of the way he reacted to that injury and the way he was lipping off the floor. It, it's pretty rep- reminiscent of someone who might have torn his Achilles, right? But... Uh, we find out later that it was just a calf strain. Thank God, we don't want anything to happen to Kevin Durant. He's in a contract year. Um, you know, like I, I don't think anyone wants Kevin Durant to tear his Achilles. Absolutely not. Yeah, he's now ruled out for Game Six and Seven because he's going to be re- reevaluated in a week uh, with this calf strain. And the entire calculus on the series, you're right. Like it, it's changed completely. Like the Warriors play an entirely different brand of basketball when Steph Curry and Draymond Green are the nucleus of this team. Like, they, they play much faster. They play tighter defensively. And I don't want to say they're better because it's kind of a, it's kind of a hot take. It's, it's hot take-ish to say that they're better without Kevin Durant. But they just play with more energy and more pace and they're more free and Clay and Steph are more susceptible to go off. Like, do you get what well, I'm saying? Like, they, they play yeah, well, a more way- freestyle basketball. Yeah, it's it's definitely a high variance style of basketball for one thing. Uh, I, what, the way I will put it is that the Rockets have loaded for Bear to defeat the Kevin Durant Warriors. That's the team that they're ready to face. Uh, they're not built to take down the non-Kevin Durant Warriors, so a lot more question marks enter into the situation. I don't know if they're necessarily better, uh, and even necessarily better against the Rockets, but it's po- it's it's hard to tell against in this particular matchup because his team is so built to deal with Kevin Durant. Uh, when when Steph and Clay are just going out there free and breezy, they can just go off, right? Every every possession that Kevin Durant uses is a possession that this Rockets team is has planned for. Less than a uh, possession in which Clay Thompson or Stephen Curry does something a lot less predictable. So the variance does go up, uh, which means that you have more chance of winning, but you also have more chance of losing. Uh, so it's 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 hard to say whether this is what who who this team helps really because it depends on where you think the series was at before this, honestly. So I want to table that conversation real quick. Uh, I want to get back to game five really quick. So James Harden 
And there, there, there are people who disagree with me on this. In my opinion, he's played awesome. And there's been some talk today, uh, and you know, you, you saw it burbling last night, that perhaps James Harden should have been more aggressive in the final minutes of Game 5. And I just disagree, man, that the offensive rating for that fourth quarter was 122.8. Like, I'm not sure how you can run an offense better than that. And Harden was, he had a 76% true shooting percentage. He was facilitating, he was finding shooters. Sometimes those shooters were missing uh, missing shots, and sometimes those shooters were out, were making shots, but they were out of bounds. Like, the, the, just stuff happened. But I firmly believe the Rockets were making... I mean, I firmly believe James Harden was doing a good job anchoring the offense in those final eight minutes. And I just disagree with this idea that he has to go hero ball. Otherwise, it's it's a failure and it's a choke job. Like, like that. What is this? Two thousand ten. Like, what? What? Why are we still doing this? <laughs> yeah, the offense. The offense was fine during that period. It was uh, great. Yeah, it was. It was one hundred and twenty-two points. For one hundred possessions, that's awesome. Yeah, that's excellent. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what. Uh, what more? I mean, he didn't shoot uh, any shots. So he shot only one shot over that eight-minute period. But yeah, when the offense is that good, what else was he going to do? Like, do you really think that he him taking more shots is going to get them more than that offensive rating? That's uh, extremely unlikely. So. Uh, yeah, the problem was the defense all the way down. That was that was where they lost on that end, and particularly and, the rebounding. Like the rebounding, yeah. Like like they'd have a solid defensive possession. Like there was there was a play I pointed out last night, like where uh, Steph missed this floater, right? And, and you want Steph to take this floater, and he missed the floater, and so then Steph got the offensive rebound and took the floater again and got fouled. Like that's unacceptable. You you can't have a play like that. Like like uh, there are so many. Like this, this series is going to be whittled down to a possession game, to where every possession that you screw up is so mag- magnified because the series is being played at such a slow pace. Like you can't have a possession where you give the Warriors extra chances. You just can't, and that happened multiple times. There was another play where uh, Clay missed an open three, and Kevon Looney came from behind of James Harden and grabbed an offensive rebound. You just can't have that. You have to box out. Yep. Uh, it, the rebounding continues to be a problem. And once again, it, this is weirdly, like, like like we mentioned at the top of the, of the episode, the rebounding and especially the offensive rebounding has really been the number one factor in the series so far, uh, which is just a question of which team is able to get in the position to grab those offensive boards better. And it's weird that it really does seem to just come down to that. It just feels like a textbook series. Like home court advantage yeah. matters so much. It's so important. And so is rebounding. Like it feels like the 1990s. Like it, it's great. It's great. Like I, I love that the, the, the core principles of basketball matter so much in this series. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, like it, it, it rebounding is super important and I don't think James Harden aside from yes he was he he was partly he was partly to blame for the defensive rebounding being bad but this idea that he should have shot more shots like I'm sorry like I'd rather have that than Westbrook flaming out and shooting like 20 shots in the last eight minutes of the game yeah uh I mean that's that is the case. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Their offensive rating was uh, was very good, so I don't know how you can really levy a lot of qualms about the offense on that particular stretch. Okay, good. Like so that, you, you you agree with me here? 
yeah, it's, he's been great this series. I mean, I guess you'll want to see him touch the ball more, but like I said, it's mostly the rebounding and defense that they need to deal with in that particular stretch of that game. Let's talk about let's talk about Kevin Durant and uh, Game Five. So we talked about the injury; he's going to be out a week. He's going to miss the next two games. We talked about how the series is going to change. How does that affect things going into Game Six? It makes Game Six pretty unpredictable. Is the main thing to me. Uh, the biggest the biggest immediate issue, uh, especially for the Golden State Warriors, is that that's like 40 minutes a night that they have to replace now. And they have been able to play about seven players so far. So it, it, I would suspect that it's Yunus uh, Yurubko who's going to move up into uh, as the new seventh guy in that lineup. Uh, but how many minutes can you really play him? I don't. That's the question, right? What are they going to do with all these minutes they have to fill up that Kevin Durant was providing? And how does this change the way the game is played while he is not on the court for the team because he was a huge part of their offense. In fact, honestly, most of their offense during this series. Yeah, and I suspect that the that the Warriors are going to lean more on Kevon Looney because they did that in Game Five. Like they they played him much more um, in Game Five than they did the rest of the series because I think they I think they want to get back to playing big basketball because they realize that rebounding has been so important and they've been out rebounded in games three and four. Um, and they can't have they can't afford to have PJ Tucker swarm in to get these offensive rebounds. So I I think they're going to lean more on Kevon Looney as well as Jonas Jurepko. Um, another question I have is who 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 does PJ Tucker guard? Because I I think it's Draymond Green, but yeah, I, I, I think have that's a, the case. Yeah, I have a feeling that they're going to start Clint Capella again. So in those first few minutes, who does like who does Clint Capella guard? Like like some who. Do they place Capella on like Andre Iguodala? Like, 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 what? What well, happens? Who's starting? Right. Like, like uh, the, oh, oh, so, so you think who's starting is a question right now? Yeah. Well, I th- and I think who's starting for the Warriors is a question, right? Because Kevin Durant was starting before. They can't start four guys. So who's it going to be? Is it is it going to be Irubko starting? Is it going to be Looney starting? It's, I, I think don't it's think Looney. it's going to be. I think, I think it's, it's Looney. Looney, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, in that case, you can have Clint and Looney. You know, you can put Clint on Looney, and then I think you do PJ Tucker, uh, Tucker on Draymond Green. Right, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. And, and PJ Tucker has had a lot of good things coming out of the Western Conference guarding Draymond Green. Like he he did a pretty he didn't neutralize Draymond Green in that conference finals, but he he did a pretty damn good job on him. And what I mean that like obviously Draymond's not not a scorer. Obviously, we're not looking. the The Warriors aren't looking for him to drop twenty twenty five points a night. But his facilitating has been so damaging to teams over the last four or five years that when you put a good defender on him who can anticipate those passes, like PJ Tucker, like it's really effective. It's really effective, and like it's just another it's just another defender that you can have play free safety. You can have P.J. Tucker play a little bit more free safety because he doesn't have to guard Kevin Durant and have to worry about him shooting like three-pointers from the corner. And he can, he, <laughs> he, he, can, he can play more help defense. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't have to be glued to his face like you do with Kevin Durant. He can, he can close out on him a bit. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's big. Uh, that will probably have ripple effects. So that, that's where things get very interesting, right? Because... They're not going to play that Kevin Durant style, so that they're going to be passing the ball more. 
So that means that there may be more opportunities for the Rockets. There's more opportunities for the Warriors to generate open looks and to go on their like their their deluges that they go on that really is Barry teams. But there's also more opportunities for the Rockets to get in the gears of that offense and gum it up. Because when they're playing that Kevin Durant ISO heavy style, there's less going on there for, for the Rockets to take advantage of. So it could go either way. Uh, I, I'm to me, so curious. Uh, I really want to see this game. Like, yeah. I, 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 I don't know what's going to happen. I genuinely don't. Like, I'm trying to make predictions right now. Yeah, and that's terrifying all by itself. <laughs> that, that's the thing, is that Steph Curry getting in rhythm and just being free to do whatever he wants and going for broke, that's pretty scary. And it's scary in like a different way than Kevin Durant is scary. Kevin Durant is just like a continuous uh, encroaching terror. But <laughs> Steph Curry can just overwhelm you unpredictably. I mean, so uh, to me, I'm curious as to how many minutes are the core four going to play? How many minutes are you going to see Curry Oof. and Clay and Iguodala and uh, and Draymond all play? I mean, it's been like forty already, <laughs> except for for Iguodala. I mean, if it's a competitive if it's a competitive basketball game, I mean, you're going to have to lean. You're going to have to play these guys like forty five minutes a night. Yeah. Uh, so that's. If there is a game seven, I think that that's going to be an ongoing concern, right? They these guys have already played heavy minutes. The gold the Golden State starters have actually played more than the Rocket starters this series, uh, and it doesn't look. And this is not going to help with that whatsoever, right? So, right. Uh, I suspect that if I were them, I would just basically say screw it to having a bench to some degree and just run them out as long as they possibly can to try to end this series here and now. Because then you don't have to worry about it afterwards, right? You're going to get a little bit of time off, especially because now that the other two, uh, now that the other series in the West is going to seven, you know that the earliest you'd have a game uh, would be within the, in the conference finals would be on like Tuesday, right? So uh, winning on winning on Friday would be a big deal. So I don't know. That That's what my, what my calculus would be. Just go for broke, run the like don't don't try to save anything for for sunday there's no point in that do not concede this game yeah absolutely and if you're the rockets you have to think of it the same way too i mean um like th- this is this is the end all be all this is a lot of people have compared this to two years ago when Kawhi got injured and uh the rockets had to go home to play a spurs team without Kawhi letter I-, I don't think that's an apt comparison I really don't because in game five of that series, it really felt like the the Spurs had figured the Rockets out. And it, it, it really felt like James Harden was just gassed, like beyond belief. He was missing like step-back jumper after step-back jumper in overtime against the Spurs. And it, it didn't feel like that in game five. It really felt like a competitive basketball game till the very end in game five of this series. Well, what about, how do you feel about this? Like, do do you think that's an app comparison? Because I've seen people make it. This, honestly, this series feels more like a reverse of last year's series than anything else. Like, it's, it's had the, you know, the, uh, the home team wins uh, game five and loses one of their best players angle. Uh, It's, you know, it's had all these incredibly close games. Uh, It's had the, Warriors looking inevitable, but the Rockets looking like they can, you know, they they can creep up on them. It reminds me a lot of it, just that the two teams flipped around. So I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't think it is just a. No, I don't think it's much like that. That Spurs series also because in that Spurs series, 
the Rockets didn't have Chris Paul yet, and they did not did not have as much creation on the team. So they were able to zero in on James Harden quite a bit more, and he did look a lot more run down. One thing that's different and, and this Nene season— And Nene got hurt, too. So the, yeah. James Harden yeah. was guarding Pau Gasol. People forget about that. James Harden was guarding yeah. Pau Gasol in that, in that Game 5, in that Game 5 and Game 6. Yeah, one thing that's quite a bit different is uh, <laughs> is that the, the James Harden does not look as run down. Uh, he he does not look as gassed. He was so gassed, and a lot of playoffs, a lot of playoffs, his shot percentage goes down over time, and his three point shooting suffers during the course of these series and over the playoffs. It's been doing that a bit less this year. Uh, he seems like he is more able. He he looks like he's a little bit fresher this time around. Uh, which is probably he in large sharp. part because this is earlier. Yeah, he looks sharp, man. Like he looks on top of his A game. Like this looks like Apex James Harden right now. Like like it, he just looks so damn hungry. He's making the right decisions on every single play, he, and he's not getting flustered by like different defenses, which I think has been different from past past James Harden's. Like the, like the, this feels like a James Harden going into Game Six that I I feel pretty good about performing in game six like i feel pretty good that the rockets will put up a good fight in game six like i, I really do yeah we haven't seen the rockets just look as defeated as they did in that uh in that game six against san antonio really ever before or since to me that was just a brutal a brutal situation uh that game i mean this this game five was a gut punch game but i just didn't that one in San Antonio felt like a bigger gut punch to me. As bad as this one was, like this was a game they absolutely could have and probably should have won. But I don't know. It just it seems like it could happen. Like I'm not gonna say it's not going to happen, but I wouldn't bet on it happening if they just totally crumble in Game Six. Yeah, I, I don't either. I really don't. Like a g- game Game Five just felt like they got outplayed, in my opinion. And um, I, I I feel pretty good about Houston. Like. I'm starting to sell myself on this line a little bit more as we're, as we're talking. Um, let's make a prediction. Let's make a prediction really quick. Uh, game six, do the Rockets survive? Um, my my feelings is that they don't. I just can't believe in it right now. It just seems like everything ha- everything goes the way that it needs to go for Golden State to move on. Like even this this Kevin Durant injury aside, like. I feel like the most the most Rockets Warriors thing that could happen is that somehow this ends up being uh, useful for them that it gets them back in like a rhythm where they can really just roll and Steph and Clay go off for a billion points and it's just not a game at any point. That feels like it would be the most br- brutal to me and the most infitting with how these two teams have played each other. So uh, that's I don't know that that feels that feels like what we're destined for to me. I, I say the Rockets win by two points. Um, I think this game's no, so not going to re- cover. <laughs> yeah, I think this game's going to be really close. I really do. Uh, I, I I think I think the Rockets are going to play really competitive basketball till the fourth quarter, and I I think the Warriors are going to um, as well. They're they're, they're going to find some new energy playing on the backs of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, and I think that um, it's going to come down to a a game. Like much like the, the entire series, where whoever wins is going to win the rebounding battle, and I think the Rockets, uh, if they if they find out quickly that that Clint Capella isn't going to show up, 
you have to bench him and you have to go small for the rest of the game. You can't hold any cards back. Because Steve Kerr isn't holding any cards back. Like, he started the series starting Andre Iguodala. Like, he's not messing around. So Yeah, they were they were starting Bogut during that first round series, and they are not doing that. <laughs> right. Yeah, and yeah I th- they, I, know, they know what's up. And I think Mike has to do the same. Like I, I think I think if Capella is um, if Draymond's taking Capella out of the series, you have to take Capella out of the series yourself. Um, <laughs> like like uh, like I, I think I think you have to go small as quickly as you possibly can if Capella isn't gonna is gonna be effective. Um, and I think the Rockets survived by by two. Well, uh, we have no choice but to find out. Follow me on Twitter at SoMalliNBA. Follow Forrest on Twitter at D U N O T S. That's right. So, Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. And give us five stars on iTunes. And good night, guys. Okay, let's say you're on vacation or out running errands and you want to see what's going on at home. Or you're at home and you want to see what your dog's getting up to downstairs. With self-protection from Xfinity, you can keep an eye on things no matter where you are with live and recorded video, all on your terms. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash self-protection. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires Xfinity Internet and compatible XFi gateway. Professional monitoring not included.